Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Vinyl and Vision. I'm your host, Jimmy Drab. Tonight's my guest is my friend, Dave Tessier. Dave is a very interesting kind of jack-of-all-trades when it comes to uh, the art scene in the Providence. Um, he is currently an actor. He's acting in a play at the moment, which is uh, what we talk about in our interview. And he's also a very talented musician. Uh, he has a number of different uh, recordings that he's put out that you can find, and I will obviously link them on the home pages. So find them on the home page of the video or the audio stream, whichever you are, uh, you know, listening to. And um, I do ask you to please give him some support. Um, Dave is very unique because he is a true um, arts arts man, uh, song and dance man, if you will, because uh, he this is his sole income. He has no other job. His job is to create and that's what he does and it's i'm just really admire and respect him um he's just a vast wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh genesis which is our featured album tonight which is uh 1971's nursery crime release uh the copy we sat down with is actually a german pressing which i believe is a 71 maybe a 73 copy i'm not too sure about that i get into more details in the interview but um, it's a great copy of a record, and it's an amazing record. And he really kind of, um, sitting down with him to have him describe it to me, was uh, just kind of put it in a much better perspective for me and gave me a much more uh, deeper uh, admiration and respect for it. And uh, so I hope he does the same for you. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I, as I was saying before, please um, follow the links to all of the projects that he's working on. Um, if you want to do... Um, order a limited one-of-a-kind copy uh, pressed on vinyl of a song of his you can do that I can li I'm gonna link the website to go to the selections that he has for this project which uh, keep him busy all day keep him down in Brooklyn recording all day long and order as many songs as you like order all five if you like or just choose any one or two and that would be of much help to him and to and uh, just to the project in general you get a one-of-a-kind uh, laid cut 45 uh, of a live song basically recorded in the studio so sounds like a great idea um i'm definitely gonna try to get my own and i encourage you guys to do the same and if not just follow the links to the, all the download streams the uh spotify itunes everywhere else he has his music available please give him some support please uh you know consider uh buying one of his records um and without further ado here's our episode enjoy
I don't mind the vibrations. You, you won't, you won't hear it. But uh, my fucking overhead lights have gone out. Sweet, everything's going fucking perfect. Cheers, Dave. Thank you, James. Thank you for coming. Glad to be here. Oh, that's fantastic. You like that? Happy St. Patty's Day. That is really great. Happy St. Patrick's Day for sure. I forgot. I keep on forgetting about. Keep on forgetting about that holiday because I. Because you're a professional drinker. Yeah, yeah. I so I don't you know fuck around the, with the these amateur days, but um, it's also been the bane of my existence because my my birthday's the day after. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. happy, happy pre-birthday. Thank you. It's almost there. I'm yeah. Almost there. A couple yeah. hours away. Just closer, one day closer to death, as they say. Yep, that's for sure. <sighs> Definitely feeling it. <laughs> All right, so welcome to the show, uh, Vinyl and Vision, episode nine. Nine. Excellent. Nine already, yeah. I, I beat just before the double digits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tonight is going to be very cool. Uh, tonight we have Dave Tessier. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Dave? Yes, you are. Tessier. Yeah. It's French, right? Oui. Oui, bonjour. Bonjour, mon ami. Quebecois. (laughs) I don't know too much. I don't know too much French. Well, me neither, but I know we're from Quebec. Okay. The the Tessier is from Quebec. Oh, okay, so the good French. Yeah, side by each over, (laughs) yeah, up up the north. So, uh... Play the hockey. Yeah, man, so you've been busy. I've been been pretty busy, man, yeah. Always keeping busy, too. That's, this is your your gig. Yes, I I like to to stay busy. Um, I like to always have a project, um... I like to take like eight days a year of doing nothing, completely nothing, you know? Yeah. But uh, in general, I like to always kind of keep going. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on or off, you yeah. know? <laughs> like eight days straight, like that's like vacation time. You kind of just like. Yeah, exactly. We, we do that like in August. Uh, we go away and I, I don't think about anything. But um, understanding, even when I'm going full tilt, it's never, I mean, I almost never work like a, you know, a, a 12 hour day. Uh, all in a row. It tends to be very focused, you right. know, four to six hours. Yeah, you know, so it, it's it's not all that bad. Yeah, but so because uh, ba- basically performing, whether it be music or acting, correct, is is your primary gig. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, rehearsing is a big part of that. You know, and yeah. uh, that's a great example of a, a you know a, sec- a bit of time that you have to give up that you might not necessarily do a lot during. Right. You might end up sitting on your butt for a bit. You know, mm-hmm. whereas uh, that's that's theater. Whereas with the bands, you know, we have to keep sharp, and uh, when we rehearse, you know, we we work pretty hard, make sure that you know we're doing the right stuff. Yeah. yeah but you know, I don't know. It's better than uh, for me. It's better than selling auto parts like I used to do. Mm-hmm. Not, no offense to auto part sellers. We need no, to. no. Everyone. But has I a, has I, a I didn't do retail. I didn't do well with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of performing, a lot of rehearsing. Yeah. I've done retail too, and it's it's not a not. It, a it, was, it wasn't great for me. Yeah. Uh, no, I understand. I can completely understand where, like, how that uh, how that makes sense. I do have a, an interesting gig that has come out of all of this, which is uh, being an actor. I will sometimes uh, work. The job is called a standardized patient um, for the uh, uh, Brown Medical School, where you basically get a case and you pretend to be sick. Or wounded, oh. or whatever. Yeah. And the doctoring students come in and interview you, and maybe give you a physical. And they try to guess your ailment. Yeah, basically. Yep. It's like you've yeah. got a broken arm. Exactly. <laughs> and that's an interesting gig I'll do you know, a couple times a month throughout the school year. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically an acting job, but 
it's also kind of a, a day job. Yeah. So what do they did they prep you by like giving you the ailment and saying, okay, so here are the symptoms. That's this exactly is what you right. Have to yep. tell I, they they send the me a PDF case. Uh, yeah. You know, you're a 48 year old male complaining of chest pain mm-hmm. for the past three days. Yeah. You're on these medications, but you haven't been taking this medication. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, or it could be very simple. It could be a sprained ankle. That's an easy one, for instance. Uh-huh. You're running, rolled your ankle. That's all you have to say. You show them a picture of an ankle that's all swollen and black, mm-hmm. and uh, they go by that. Wow. Yeah, it's an odd odd thing. Yeah. I believe it was, there was a Seinfeld episode for that about profession? this very thing. Yeah, yeah. Kramer, I think, had, had a job. Of course he did. I got I to gotta look that one up. But anyway, I ramble. <laughs> no, that's all right. Hey, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. We're here, we're we're here, here to on. ramble. Basically, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what's the show you're doing now? You're doing Our Town? I am doing Thornton Wilder's Our Town with the Burbage Theater Company in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, running um, Fridays, Saturdays at 8 and Sundays at 2 for the next four weeks up until uh, April 7th, I think, is our final Sunday matinee. Cool. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. It's a nice piece of epic theater. Not too long. Uh, very, very tear-jerky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a classic for a reason. I, yeah. I recommend at least reading it if you haven't. Well, I say that I never read it till I got the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, it doesn't a, seem high on the priority list. No, I, okay, I can see why, especially for like kind of a classic Southern style uh, theater uh, screenplay, screen or playwrights. What do they call that? Play? A playwright? That'd be a playwright. You mean the writer himself? No, no, no. I'm talking about the actual it's script. Just script. Just the script. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is probably the most well-known, right? If you want to go southern, because that's what it is, isn't it? No, no. Well, our town is actually set in New Hampshire. It's a New England story. Oh, okay. Um, it's about a town in New Hampshire, Grover's Point, New Hampshire, Grover's Corner. Oh, excuse me. I'm just the town doctor. I don't need to know what it's called. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's a. It's such a classic. It's almost a cliche of itself at this point. Yeah. You know. The language is very old-fashioned. Well, I declare, easy yeah. as kittens, <laughs> stuff like that. That's I, I li- think that's literally one of my lines. Yeah, that's why I thought it was uh, kind of more southernish because it has that that, that kind of drawl to it. To, that, yeah. You know, maybe I'm just putting the drawl on because I'm a lousy actor, but uh, that's it's it sounds like that to me as well. Yeah, you know. Huh. I think I have one of my lines is something like. Uh, I was afraid wouldn't have material for conversation more and last us two weeks. And it's spelled that way, more and last us two weeks. Mm-hmm. And to me, that it lends itself to a, a bit of a, yeah. a drawl. It, it definitely has like a hick vibe to it. Can't get that from here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, and there are sections of that here in the state that I can definitely think of. Oh, definitely for some sure. guys that I've Absolutely, met that are, right? you know, a little bit on that, yeah, that, dialects that twinge are to it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, what Cranston alone? Cranston, you can't, Cranston. Yeah, it's. I grew up in Cranston, so oh, I'm, I'm allowed to, to, you know, brutalize. Um, Von, Vonda, Vonda, pass me the cockies. cockies. I don't know if that might be more Johnston. I, it's it's tough. I grew up in the crux. It, uh, we all we all have like that same thing where we're David. Even, even people that describe the the Boston, uh, Massachusetts uh, kind of accent as well. You know, go. You know, park the car over here. Over here, it's you're basically not pra- pronouncing your R's, basically. Yeah, but that's such an oversimplification of it when you think of like, oh, it's wicked pissa, boy, kid, kid, you yeah. know, uh, the socks, 
gonna wash your socks. Yeah. See, uh, I'm not. I'm not good at that deciphering like dialogue, like uh, you know, accents, and even like characteristics, like physical traits. Because my mom is like a master at that. Uh, my mom is like one of those people. She's, first of all, she's from Bolivia. Okay, so she's not from here. She's lived here all my life mm-hmm. in in Rhode Island. So, but she can pinpoint all of those things re- locally. She has a great now, ear. And in Bolivia, because wow. every every region of Bolivia, like every city, basically, has different dialects, uh, different accents to, to the way they pronounce things, or to or, or like dialects as far as like what words they'll use. Yep. And then physical features, actual physical traits, and she can just like wow. look at someone and say like, "Oh, she's from Santa Cruz." That's amazing. I'm from Cuchabamba. She's from Santa Cruz. That one's from La Paz. And I'm just like, "Are you? What the fuck? You all look the same." <laughs> You all look the same. And that one's from Cranston. Yeah, That's exactly. Amazing. Yeah, she has that that ability. Like I, I, don't, I, for me, it's just like you're all speaking the same language. I don't. You're all speaking Spanish. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy to me. There, there's there's subtleties. That that's amazing. Right. Uh, you know the subtleties between Johnson and Cranston. I don't know if I could get into that, <laughs> but you know between you know Massachusetts and down here, I hear that very yeah. clearly. Mm-hmm. And then Connecticut, where they pronounce well, at least where some of my family in Connecticut were from. They very much pronounced their R's, yeah, and spoke very properly from what I remember. Hmm. Um, when I was growing up, I could just tell <laughs> the difference between how they pronounced "car" right. and the way I did. Yeah, the cockies. The Look at the cockies. The cockies. That's always the big one. The cockies. And uh, turning D's at the end of names into T's, like Richit. Oh. You know, okay. well, Robert has a T, but Robert, Richit, David. Right. You know, I, I I heard that it's a like lot. It's like that CHT almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't get it. I'm just like we're all speaking English. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I can understand what you're saying. Is it a tomato That's or a tomato? <laughs> so um, now, in addition to our town, you guys are doing a. You told me a little bit about this, and it sounds like a really great idea. Is the um, you're doing live recording to vinyl. Yes. Okay. So my, my band, um, myself and the guys in my band, the all-star band of all-star stars are heading down to uh, Brooklyn, New York, to a, a small studio called Least of All, Least of All Studios. And what they do there is um, they put up a website for you for a pre-order and you uh, put up a list of whatever songs you're willing to record and folks will pre-order a song. And you will play a song live for them that gets cut directly to vinyl with uh, nothing in between. So it becomes yeah. a, it's one of a kind live recording for the purchaser. Wow. And you put on, you know, a, a personal message, you know, hey, Bob, this one's for you. Two, three, four. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to, uh, to do that. We just thought it would be kind of interesting and fun. And I like the idea of a. Uh, one-of-a-kind recordings, oh, yeah. particularly in this digital age where it's great that I can, like, for instance, hear a demo that Black Sabbath did in 68 right. by going on YouTube. Um, but it's also kind of great that, like, there could be a, only one copy of something, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as, like, vinyl collectors are concerned, I mean, that's, like, holy grail stuff. Yeah. You know, test pressings of things, you know, where it's just, like, it's you really know, just neat. these extremely limited things that, 
you know, you can all, there are only so many of them in the world. Now, you're saying that there's only going to be one of those. Right. Which is obviously as rare as you can it's get. It's not as cool as Wu-Tang, whoever did that recently. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, like, you know, a limited pressing is, is cool, and it's desirable. I can co- totally see the, the um, you know, the uh, value in that. But, this, yeah, the, this one-off pressing, that's very great. Yeah. That's very cool. I like it. Yeah, so I was actually that, that kind of already answered my next question, which was like, are first of all, are you can if some if you get multiple requests for the same song, mm-hmm. you have to do the yep. tag the uh, second take each time. Yep, you have to it's one not for like each. You can be like, okay, well, just press that one again. Just like send that. Nope. No, that is correct. It is it, it is individual. So however many orders is how many uh, shots we're gonna do. And my guess is they're not giving you second chances <laughs> at this place because <laughs> uh, they're not charging us to do it. And I don't know really? how, they're, how they're making their money. Well, I get, they're making their money Off by selling. Yeah, because we're right. not getting paid to do it either. Right, right. You know, so it's a... Uh, wow, so this is a real labor of love pro- process. Absolutely, to take the trip down there. But um, I don't know, myself and my guys, I, it's, you know, labor of love, it's what we do. We love, this is what we do. It's yeah, not yeah. even so much love, it's our lives. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we do enough uh, general business shows and... Um, restaurants and cover band shows and monkeys tribute shows that uh any chance to do our own music that we created together Mm -hmm. uh we we realize that's kind of like the pinnacle of of our artistic lives so we we make a priority of it and uh i i know i appreciate those guys uh being willing to go do it i particularly appreciate they share my philosophy yeah it's kind of important that's the only way a band works, really. Well, and uh, as uh, just individual artists, too, to constantly keep uh, pushing and creating. doesn't have to be good but i think it's important to keep putting out something right you know oh yeah for sure always uh always trying pushing the boundaries yeah always writing new right. stuff like yeah 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 I, i've uh i've fallen off that and uh and i can kind of see where that would get uh a little maddening to to an artist to someone that wants to create uh to not have the ability not have the uh accessibility not have the the just the people to work with to help yeah. in that process because working by yourself can also be a fucking drag yeah. on a lot of occasions. And think about like a, a lot of actors or people who want to like direct a play, and that takes so many people. Right. You know, rock band is difficult enough trying to get three, four people in a room. Right. But now you want someone to light the room, and you got to borrow a room, and you need somebody to move stuff in the room. Yeah. It's uh, and yeah, collaboration's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I know. I know. I, that's why I prefer to do things by myself. But at the same time, that that also has its drawbacks. Yep. You know. So. Oh, but it's sweet sometimes. Not oh, yeah. having to ask permission. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you know, so so bless you and bless your band for for you know. Well, thank you. Being in agreement and all of you guys just you know being on the same page and just loving the work. Yeah. We uh, even uh, if we weren't playing together, everyone would be making sounds elsewhere. Everyone would be doing yeah, something. Absolutely. They, yeah. But they all are. That's why it's, I call them the all-star band. Yeah. Everyone has their own band. Yeah. They just kind of come together to do this stuff with me sometimes. Um, 
because we, we, I think we come up with some good projects. We've done Jesus Christ Superstar, for instance. Yeah. Um, we like to play uh, deep tracks. We uh, we did a prog- progressive rock set with some uh, early Genesis and some, you know. Covering Len- it? Yep, yep. Lengthier Pink Floyd, Dogs, for instance. Cool. The 17 minutes of Dogs <laughs> we whipped out. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we like to kind of keep it interesting. Yeah. And then we have to play a restaurant, and we play Blinded by the Light, and we play, you know, right. some monkey songs, and everyone's happy, and that's good, too. Helps pay the bills, right? Absolutely. It pay, it, that's what pays my bills. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's not. That's a lie. My wife pays my bills. That's what pays for my toys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's cool. I mean, it works. It, yeah, you're married, it still works and, that's, and that's part of the... Uh, and uh, Yeah, and I'm, I'm still married, despite this lifestyle. And uh, Well, because she's also an artist like you. Yes. So you guys have that mutual connection, and obviously you have that mutual uh, need to create, and therefore uh, acceptance acceptance of each other. And Absolutely, and y- your time, the priority that we exactly. put on creating for both yeah. of us. You know, if she's directing a show, or I'm working on something, even just as simple as working on something in the basement. You know, right. we, we we treat each other with a lot of respect for that stuff. You're learning yeah. the lines. I'm learning my song. Right. You know, block the kids. <laughs> It works out. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I can imagine the stress. I mean, we're we're kind of in the same similar situation, not perfectly, you know, exact, but yeah, you know, I'm here right now. Right. So she's running interference. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She's taking care of the kids, making sure they get to bed, all that stuff. It's teamwork, James. Yeah. That's what marriage is about. Yeah. Teamworks. Damn right. Teamwork. Yeah. There's no other way. So, um, what else am I going to ask you about? Uh, you chose this record. Yes, Genesis Nursery Cry. Well, you put you put it up on the, on the Facebook. Yeah, well, because I, I wanted people to, to kind of let me know what their interests were because and it stood uh, out. I can't I can't pinpoint everybody. Yeah, for the most part, most all of my guests as of up until now, I basically found things that I was just like, this makes me think of them. I'm going to ask them, you know, and uh, it's it's just too hard for me to, to figure that out. Like I was just talking sure. to another guy yeah. today, and I was just like. I don't even know what you like. Like I like I know what you do, but that doesn't necessarily reflect on what your influences. the influences are. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was smart the way you did that because you there was very varied all the album covers you put up. Yeah, I mean there was some hip hop in there. Yeah, there was prog rock and kind of straight up classic rock. And you had the two punk. Genesis that I noticed this one in Foxtrot yes. and and you, the Jeff Beck was up, but absolutely. I mean, there's two of my favorite albums. Yeah. So it, immediately, I ca- it caught my eye. Perfect. And uh, it's so rare. I don't know a ton of people who even know those albums exist. Yeah, yeah. Genesis was a, a new find for me. Uh, I mean, because I knew them since I was a child, since yeah. I was very young. But you knew the 80s The Phil Genesis. Collins era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fucking I Can't Dance and all that shit. Right. But uh, right. so this was very interesting to me. To, to it was This is one of those really rare bands where... As you get older, you start to realize that they have a much lengthier past than you ever knew about. Yep. And then you go deep diving into it for one reason or another, whether it be you're just keenly interested or you follow the careers of the other uh, other members, like you know Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins most uh, memorably in yep. of this act. And um, you know you're like, oh well, they're doing this shit now. Like um, it's okay, you know. But I'm just like, okay, so what did they do? before this like how do they get to that point that's i i always call it uh the why they're famous factor yeah it's like if you only see the uh footage of the bloated elvis mm-hmm. you're not going to understand <laughs> you need to see the 57 elvis the sexy elvis to understand how he could 
then become bloated and still be doing what he was doing with right. those millions of people. Um, uh, and yeah, exactly what you're saying. There were so many bands in the '80s that were like old men. Yeah. Uh, on the radio and on MTV that yeah. I just didn't get. Phil Collins being one of them. Like Yes and uh, Jefferson Airplane or yeah, Starship yeah, yes, at that point. that's when they were doing Owner, uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart. Yeah. Right. Starship, exactly. All of these people. I'm like, why, where the hell did these old people come from? Right. And it turns out, well, they used to be young people. They used to be young people <laughs> and in these and like rolling. really great, amazing, influential bands that yep. have actually influenced people that are even now uh, yeah. being successful. Yeah. Quite so, a bit. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I, I in this early Genesis, a lot of people I I don't think know that like um, Fish, the band Fish, they were a huge influence on Fish. Oh, I can and you see hear that. it all over the first couple of albums. Yeah, uh, in, in kind of the compositional style and whatnot. Uh, but you're gonna, you know, you might not find a lot of Fish fans that would even think right. to listen to some Genesis. <laughs> They're yeah. immediately gonna think what you thought. You know, I can't dance. Right. It's like, oh, that shit sucks. Even for <laughs> me, I listen to Fish. I can't tolerate that. There's something that happened in the 80s with Genesis. and uh, To me, okay, yeah, losing some members was a big deal. But when they switched to the more 80s-sounding synthesizers, hmm. Mike Rutherford switched to guitar, and he's playing these chorusy, chintzy guitar licks right. and making the bass more of a kind of a, a second-line instrument. And Phil Collins, of course, using the drum machine because he was singing. So he would use the, went the while they were working together. He'd put on a drum machine and they would like he'd mm -hmm. sing rather than play. I, I, I even though a lot of hits came out of that, I think that's kind of what annoys me about that whole era is just the general sound and tones yeah. that they chose. As as for like most eighties acts, like pretty, across the pretty board, pretty much all of them. Yeah, man, yeah. I forget which I forget which synthesizer it was in particular, but it's like every band has their Yamaha horror story. DX seven, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was just like. Oh yeah, that that came out, and every studio had one, and everyone was playing one, and it just is all over every song in the '80s, and it's just, yep. and you can tell because it, it it all kind of does sound the same. Versus, uh, a lot of people would think maybe that Jump from Van Halen is that synth, but it is not. That's the Oberheim that uh, Rush used. Mm -hmm. If you're into your your Rush trivia there, and that was a very pleasant sound. That was actually kind of like a throwback to some of the earlier synthy Moog yeah. kind of sounds. Yeah. And but then it seems like nobody used that one. They all went to the Yamaha, mm -hmm. and exactly what you said happened. At least that's what it sounded like to me. That's I I, I I'm agree. I'm no expert. I am not an expert either, but I feel the same way. I mean, <laughs> no, like no offense. Yeah. No. There's there's plenty out there that I think I think there's plenty of people that would probably agree as far as being a layman is concerned. You know, it's yeah. like. I'm no rock journalist. I'm not a. And the, uh, the Simmons drums. Uh -huh. the, uh, those octagon plastic electronic yeah. drums that sounded terrible. Right. Those were huge. Really, uh, yeah, it influenced a whole decade of sound. A shitty decade of sound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just us being, you know. Uh, we're old. Yeah, just kind of finicky old. Uh, I didn't, the only 80s bands I liked were uh, U2. <clears throat> A little bit of REM. I loved U2. Well, they even had their eras. Yep. They you all know, do. Their earlier era where they're oh, kind of more, so more punk rock, really. Yep. I think their first album is brilliant. Yeah. A piece of, piece of genius right there. Yeah. And I can tolerate them way well, like well into the 80s. Yep. Because uh, it didn't feel like they were one of those bands that seemed to not want to go the route of that, you know, pop 80s band, yep. even though they were becoming themselves a popular band. Yeah, it's when they started to be, like, after uh, Octung Baby there, well, 
You could argue the Joshua tree. They started to get a little pompous. But that dude was always kind of pompous. I mean, the concert's all the way back to the 80s. He's pulling people out of the audience and hugging them. You know, that's his his thing. It's fine. I love him. The musical styling, though, like, yeah, I could probably listen up into The Unforgettable Fire. Probably, that would probably be the last one, I think. I can't remember the discography in order. Joshua Tree's after that. I Joshua like that Tree. one a lot. And then Octung Baby came Octung out like Baby five is years later. I think it has some good pieces in it, but it was yeah. very different. Very pop. And yeah, they they were they were going for that. They it were lost like, the edge. Not, not the, the guitar. <laughs> I mean, they had the edge, but they <laughs> lost the edge. The edge yeah. lost his edge. It seemed like they were being um, ironically poppy. And it's like, that doesn't... It, that doesn't read, man. <laughs> and, and if they were, they lost themselves in that. Yeah. Because then it was just pop after pop. And some people love it. But then, okay, well, now we get to this really. Dismantle the Atomic Bomb album. I thought that was great. Really? The, the Stuck in a Moment? I thought that was a fucking gorgeous song. They, oh, yeah. Can no, I say they fucking? Definitely, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah you great. can say whatever Fucking you want. gorgeous. You can say cunt if you want. Yeah, I don't care. Oh, great. Which, hey, great no, no, that's over the line. <laughs> <laughs> not in my house. It's not. <laughs> I, I I encourage it, please. You know, uh, one of my proudest proudest uh, mom- well, is it a moment achievement. One of my proudest achievements as a father is uh, how well my my boys swear. Oh um, yeah, they're not supposed to swear, but good God, they're good at it. Oh wow! And when 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 something goes wrong, like uh, if they're we're in another room and they're playing their Mario Land, and one of them makes the other one die, it's like fuck, Luke. <laughs> Fuck! And he's like, "What? Hey, what did I just hear?" Yeah. Like, Nothing. Sorry. Yeah. But they're so good at it. God damn it! But, my yeah. kids are good at hiding it, because I know they know the words, because it's really funny. My uh, my my wife has this story where she was home with the kids one day, and uh, she's talking to them. I don't know how it got brought up, but she was just like talking to them about bad words, like dirty words, <laughs> like what? Are, like what do you know? Like she like she said. Whatever, something I'm gonna. I, I almost said a bad word, and they're like, "Oh, really? Like, what were you gonna say?" She's just like, "Which one do you want to hear?" Yeah, or so, <laughs> something like that. And so she was basically saying, "Like, uh, like, do you do you know bad words?" And they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> She's like, well, "What what kind of bad words do you know?" And they're like, "Shoot." She's <laughs> like, "Oh, that's not a bad word." She's like, and, and then they're like, "Shit." She's just like, "Oh yeah, that's a bad one." And then it's finally, it's like. Fuck. She's like, oh, that's the worst one. Yeah, that's not a good one at all. <laughs> that's the worst one until yeah, they yell. Okay, she was a cunt, mom. Yeah, then I'll then oh, I'll just God. laugh. That'll be that'll be great. We're watching uh, Better Off Dead, the eighties rom- oh. <laughs> romantic comedy hit, um, and the girl uh, right off the bat at the beginning of the movie, the girl breaks up with uh, John Cusack and shreds his picture. And mm-hmm. puts the new cool guy's picture in the frame, right. and then ignores him while he gets he doesn't make the the uh, ski team. And my oldest goes, "She's a whore." <laughs> and right now, knowing that I'm gonna get in more trouble than he is from my wife, I immediately intervene. No, Jack, we don't say that. You would never <laughs> call a woman that. A better word for her would be. And damn it, we couldn't think of a better word because you know we're talking about the character. Promiscuous. In, 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 yeah, she's she's fickle and promiscuous. She's loose. <laughs> Lucy, loose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, anyway, just, anyone other girl she's that you notice whore. like that, just don't talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right? that's the bottom line. Just wrap just, it up. Just, just know. wrap it up, kid. Just know the difference, okay? Just know the difference <laughs> in people, and don't say it. Just know. 
and just be good with that, you know? And if you do say it, you didn't learn it from me. <laughs> I'm going to go total deniability. Like the yeah. CIA, you're cut off. Right. That's great. Good, man. Good for you. I mean, I got to, that, that reminds me, I got to watch that movie. I got to put that on the list. It's on uh, YouTube for free, the whole movie, because apparently you can't find it anywhere, because apparently the, ru- my, the rumor I heard was John Cusack hates it. And so it's not available on DVD or anything. I think that's kind of hard to believe. But it is on YouTube. Hmm. I think I could probably find a copy. I don't want to have to pay for it. But I can think I could probably find a copy somewhere. Maybe even the library. Just request it, whatever. Just, you know, just See? to watch it. I, I, I like the library a lot. I, I utilize them as much as I can. You're probably right, but it's, it's probably on VHS. That's okay. I have a player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There we go. I got all the play. I got all the media, All the dude. players you need. Yeah. The VHS machine, uh, to me, is a useful thing to have, even uh, in this day and age. Uh, yeah. There's some gems you're going to find in the one-cent bin. May- yeah, you know? maybe. I-, I don't I don't like watching them. I got to admit. I've become oh, stubborn in my... Oh, the ass. Yeah, yeah the quality. I'm just... And, yeah. The sound quality in particular. Um, as they degrade, you get that hiss. Yeah, like it's worse and worse. But even just the video called the glue. The oh, it's gone. terrible. Yeah, I just it, it it hurts me to watch VHS. Well, I don't know. It's just okay, it's Mr. a bad it's Mr. a bad Mr. medium. Mr. pants over here. It's a bad medium. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm you know becoming you more acclimated I'll to uh, to good quality things. Sound, good sound quality, good visual quality. Like my bespoke video made with 100% leather. Um, so, oh yeah, so your record, uh, the one that I heard, uh, Dreams in Hyperspace. Dreams in Hyperspace. Which is available on Spotify. On Spotify, and the uh, it's on the iTunes. And yeah. you, there's no physical copies, uh, except at gigs. We do have physical copies you can buy at shows. But CD? Yep, on CD. Okay. Um, and uh, the idea is that's supposed to be like the first side of a vinyl record that we were supposed to have done. That First side? Yeah, yeah, the second side has been somewhat recorded, but we kind of hit some speed bumps in the recording process, oh. so we haven't quite finished it yet. But the idea was to be a double, you know, an, L- an LP, you know. Oh. And uh, hopefully that will still happen. But for right now, Dreams in Hyperspace, side one, oh. available on Spotify. So And uh, CD at gigs. If you don't mind me asking, then what is the hiccup for getting the second side done? Uh, is it financial or is it just, like, production-wise, like... It's it's the time uh, getting everybody together. Uh, there was the financial issue of getting a, a studio um, where we had some donated time that we were very grateful for from our Railroad Park Recording Studio out in uh, Westport, Mass. Uh, they really, really uh, hooked us up with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't have any money to continue. So we were doing it in our kind of our own studio, and that's... Basically, the hiccups are everyone having different gigs, different schedules. Hmm. So we've got some backings done. Um, and then, you know, now I'm doing a play. So that now I'm out of out of commission for the next few weekends. We can only do it on weekends, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So we're just going slow. We're not forcing oh. it. But that's all. It should be, it should come out this year. Oh, my God. Okay. And <laughs> you plan so. on pressing vinyl? Yes. Cool. Yes. That has been the plan all along. Because I love vinyl. Yeah, and since I was a kid, I wanted to put out a record, and I never have. I've put out a handful of CDs, yeah. some cassettes back in the uh, early '90s. Yeah, but uh, actually, 145. Oh, but I've never done a full. 
And now you're going to be pressing all those. Uh, yeah, no, a bunch one of, of little of a tiny kind, 45s. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> one of a kinds. Is there going to be a B side to those? No, it's just going to be one side. I don't know. I assume it's just going to be the one side. Yeah, I mean, if you're going live to to right to acetate, I guess. I it's like a, it's going to be a lathe cut. I, I yeah, presume it is. It says it's direct to the lathe, and yeah, they cut it as we go. So yeah, so you're probably so going to have a blank a, side. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a big, heavy piece of plastic, I would think, right? Yeah. Cool. We shall see. Yeah. And uh, by the way, speaking of that, so what is the list? How many songs do you have that you that people can choose from? Uh, we put five songs on. Um, I think they're all three Dreams in Hyperspace songs and um, two songs that are brand new that we've only played live that we haven't recorded. Oh. Okay. So those are the special ones. So that's it, just five songs to choose from? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Keep it simple. Twenty five bucks pop. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean it, it for what it is, <laughs> I mean that's that's the value behind it. I mean Yeah, I would like to think. That's you know yeah. uh if you're into that kind of thing, it's worth twenty five bucks. Yeah. I'd say so. Like I said, our you know, keyboard player's dad <laughs> buying one of each song. <laughs> Hooking us up. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. And say so, and you're not getting any of that money. Uh, nope. That's all going to the studio, all basically, goes to the for their is materials. not charging us, and yeah. Yep. Sounds like a deal. They, they do all the shipping. They do uh, a bunch of the promotion. Um, actually, we just I just got an email. I'm not quite done reading about um, a free shipping code I can now offer uh, until March 24th. And I have to put that up on the website there. Cool. Um, so it's a thing. Yeah, right. for sure. Looking forward to it. Should be interesting. So back to dreams in hyperspace. Dreams in hyperspace. Uh, you sent me the ma- the majority of the the record or the one side list. Well, dreams in hyperspace itself is a little uh, space opera, and that is a whole piece. That's what I sent to you. And oh. that would that would be side one. Okay. Side two is uh, just separate songs that aren't related. So do you? That wouldn't be like. Do you think you'd actually have like a second name to the record? Like if you put it out all together, side A, dreams and hyperspace. No, we'd still call it just dreams and hyperspace. Okay. But side B, uh, some more experimental stuff. A couple of straight up songs. More experimental. But yeah, cool. uh, it's some. You know, sh- along the lines of what's in the first side, where you have some short clips, um, more of that, but more um, atmospheric. You know, some short uh, clips that are more, uh, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but basically organized nature sounds versus, yeah. you know, instrumental sounds. Well, so, you know, I mean, I don't think you're giving anything away because no one can hear it yet. Good point. But they can hear the entire first side. Yep. You can listen to it for in its entirety on Spotify if you if you want to, yep. uh, if you have a, an account. I don't have a Spotify account. So if uh-huh. I try to play it on Spotify, it just... Actually, on, on YouTube though, uh, CD we we made, um, I put it out through CD Baby. You can uh, and CD Baby then makes a YouTube page for each song. Oh, it's okay. really odd. And yeah, uh, yeah. supposedly I get a royalty if you listen to it. Like you know, if point, you get a certain amount of listens, yeah, one yeah. one hundredth of a cent. Yeah, for every thousand listens. For every thousand listens. So yeah, I'm planning on having that operation with that money later. Uh, uh, yeah, so you can listen to it on YouTube, is my point. Oh, okay. So either way... bourbon in me, uh, rambling. Hey, that's all right. I'm going to get there myself. Um, I, uh, do you have a warning on your computer there, bro? Yeah, it just says no internet. Oh, okay. I get no internet. We don't need no stinking internet. I don't need that right now. I don't give a fuck. 
But when I do hit the tail hour mark, that thing's just going to automatically shut off. That's okay. what it's been doing to me lately. So I, I'm improvising for well, that time. Geez, you better move on. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't. You know, that's not to kill too much time. But uh, you know, I, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, you have a pretty lengthy career, basically, at this point. Uh, we got to talk about your new project, the the you know the pressing of the vinyl. Yep. That you're going to be doing these uh, one of a kind uh, vinyl pressings. I wanted to talk about Dreams in Hyperspace because I think it's actually a very good record. Like for what it is now, I mean, you're saying it's not done yet, but from I mean, what that I heard, piece of is it, uh, is done. That's a piece. So yeah, to yeah. me, that's done. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, because I mean, I saw it on Spotify as being, you know, Dave Tessier, Dreams in Hyperspace. Yeah. That's it. I thought it was. I thought that was the record. I thought it was done. Yeah. So, you know, not knowing that, <clears throat> I mean, I thought it was a good piece. If you're saying you're going to add to, to it, then great. I look forward to seeing yeah, the other half. But again, we're not exactly adding to that story. We're just going to basically re-release it on vinyl with oh, another oh yeah. side. Right, you know? right. Well, you know, that I don't mean the that story you're... of current our captain. What we call it, Captain Dick, traveling through hyperspace to meet his love, uh-huh. is is just you know that one. So what is what kind of tying into the whole pro- prog rock theme? It is it is certainly a prog piece. I you know it it's a, a, an homage to seventies Prague. Yeah, I, mean, I guess technically it's not very progressive if it's just a kind of hippie throwback. But uh, well, I mean, because I wasn't thinking of it as all in one piece. I just uh-huh. listened to it as um, oh, separate songs. Yeah, I mean, I, I was considering it just you know song for song. Okay. Like I wasn't, I wasn't really considering the connection per song. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if I re- would like thinking about it now. I don't know if I would have thought these flow together. I don't think they flow together perfectly. I think that they are very much separate. Yep. Um, even in the listening, because like you know, some records you listen to, every song flows right into the next right. type thing. And then I don't, I don't, I didn't, re- I don't remember hearing that. But either way, it is a com- from what you're telling me now, it's a, an entire uh, concept. Yep. And yeah, the execution was was great, and it, and I Thank and you. it definitely did make me think of this Genesis record and, you know, some of Foxtrot as well, like just some of this earlier prog rock in general. A lot of similar, um, just a lot of similar uh, techniques and sounds and styles. Uh, some identical instrumentation, yeah. you know, yeah. Moog Taurus pedals <clears throat> that you'll hear all over the early Genesis and uh, Rickenbacker 12 strings yeah. all over the early Genesis stuff. Yeah. Um, and just, just feel-wise, like yeah, this uh, yeah. ballad-esque in moments, uh, very... Uh, you know, epic-like moments. Some like really, just bizarre. Uh, Definitely. There's some like bizarre sound landscape things happening. Yep. Um, yeah, it has all of those elements. It's all in there. So nice. you know, any fan of Prague, you know, any any era or artist of Prague, you know, King Crimson, early Yes, Genesis, uh, any fan of those bands, I would say should probably listen to it. Well, thank you. Give it a shot. High praise. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, uh, I think you did a good job. My favorite stuff, uh, that early Genesis stuff. Uh, yeah, we were talking about one of my favorite albums right here. So, what was uh, what was your uh, exposure to Genesis like aside from the '80s? Phil uh, Collins well, era. Okay, it was because of the '80s stuff. Um, MTV had some special uh, around the time of "I Can't Dance." That was like you know, not a behind the music, but it was you know, Genesis. 
and I caught some clips of the early stuff with Peter Gabriel. Yeah. And I put together that it was the Shock the Monkey guy. Yeah. Games Without Frontiers, who I liked. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, for the life of me, imagine him being in a band with those other dudes. And then I saw this clip, and it was uh, a little bit of the song Watcher of the Skies. And he has these bat wings on his head, and oh, his yeah. face is glowing in the dark, and he's got a cape on. And uh, the clip cuts in with this uh, stu- super staccato um, unison figure. Anyone who knows the song knows what I'm talking about. But in this odd rhythm that just kind of blew my mind, and it stopped, and he started to sing. And it was just weird. It sounded almost um, circus-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I was very intrigued by the sound of it. And uh, that was it. I read, I need to find out what these songs are. Because yeah. uh, the first maybe 15 minutes of the special, it was like an hour-long kind of biography on Genesis, was about the early days in the school. And they had a lot of clips of the early albums. And everything I heard I thought was fantastic, and uh, I just tracked it down. So I knew a song was called The Musical Box, mm-hmm. and I tracked it down to this album, Nursery Crime. And that was where I started. This was the first oh, record cool. I bought. Wow. Followed by Foxtrot, because that had uh, Supper's Ready and Watcher of the Skies on it, mm-hmm. which were also featured in the special. Yeah. But what happened is on the special, they'd show a live clip, and then in the corner, it would say the name of the song. And oh, that's yeah. how I tracked it down at that point. I would just go to uh, In Your Ear Records down on their street after school. Yeah. And poke through till I found the song titles. Right. Because there was no internet back Which then. Which was pretty tricky because, as you, because <laughs> there's no internet because they never put the song titles oh, on the Jesus, outside of the records. Right. Yeah. So I, I basically just took shots in the dark. Wow. And it was always exciting. Uh, this album had, well, we'll get to it later, but uh, it was always exciting to then hear after like listening to maybe five minutes of a 10 minute song, then hear the clip that I had heard. On the special, right, and be able to kind of like check Piece that together. box. Yeah, like oh, that's it. This is I got. Uh, it. it was this that was song. fun, fun time. Yeah, exploring music that way. Well, that that's the way it used to be for us, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that, nowadays, I don't know what these kids are doing as far as like if they feel... nothing to explore. They just have to think it. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, but they... that's even harder because you're not you can't just think up something you never heard of. Right, you got to find it somehow. And right, right. How the hell do you find it? Well, what's their exposure to it that makes them curious to want to explore it, and then. I guess exploring it just is that much easier. I mean, I think as soon as you hear a little clip of something, even yes. if you hear a lyric that then gets stuck in your head, yeah. you're like, oh, wait, what's, That's that? A good what's point. that lyric? Yeah. You just put it in Google, and then they'll bring up the song. Yep. So it's pretty, I don't know. I mean, I hope it works out for the new generation as far as like getting them to explore and experiment with music as far as like whatever it is that they like. I don't, I don't think there could any th- be anything wrong with, you know, getting to hear stuff you want to hear yeah you know there's so many uh albums i had to track down as a kid that we were talking about you know forever yeah you know and then you had to come up with the money too yeah you had to to fucking buy the thing yep you know now at least you know you can listen to almost anything for free that's kind of cool yeah so uh just to let you know i i didn't explain this to you or i didn't let you know that this is actually a german pressing Oh. Yeah, are you are you familiar with the foreign pressings? I am not. Well, um, so from the research that I did, this could be from 1973 or late February 1978 issue. German pressing on the Philips label. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, uh, when they when these were released in um, uh, the UK originally, they were on the the famous Charisma. Charisma, label. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, 
Now, so even the information that I found about this, um, like as far as the you know confirming the the matrix runout numbers, wow. yeah. it's um, I can't verify it. That's why I'm saying it could be seventy three or seventy eight, because most of the jacket artwork and and everything else is mostly identical. Um, and this originally came out what seventy one, seventy two? Believe seventy one. All right. Oh, I love this about the the old Prague bands, how they list every single instrument each guy plays. So Tony yep. Banks, instead of writing Tony Banks keyboards. This was, came out in 71. It's Tony Banks organ, Mellotron, piano, electric piano, 12-string guitar, and voices. Yep. Mike Rutherford plays bass, bass pedals, 12-string guitar, voices. Peter Gabriel, lead voice, flute, bass drum, just the bass just drum. Just the bass drum. And tambourine. <laughs> Just it's the bass drum, please. <laughs> this is, uh, by the way, Phil Collins' first album with the band. Yes. And uh, he's on drums, voices, and percussion. He also has his first lead vocals on this with uh, the second song, Four Absent Friends. Correct. You know your trivia. I do. I know my Genesis trivia. I'm a big nerd. <laughs> we can talk about how the bass pedals he used here were not the Taurus bass pedals. Uh -huh. He didn't re receive them until the next album. And they have a d much uh, thicker sound. Oh, Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I I haven't picked up on any of that. Um, no, I'm not too familiar with the earlier Genesis catalog. I'm, I've heard this one. I've heard a couple of pressings of this one actually. Um, I've heard I've had another pressing of Foxtrot before, as well as the one I have currently, yep. which is actually already listed for sale. This one will be going up when this airs. And uh, what else did I have? Oh, I actually had a bunch of. Uh, I had a, a Trick of the Hat. I had um, Trick of the Tail. Trick of the Tail. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. I had. Um, what is it? Selling England by the Selling pound. Selling England by the pound. Yep. I had uh, the broad. What is that Broadway one? The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. I had a copy. All of those were West German pressings that I had. Wow. Uh, like the last year or something. So those were actually all pretty valuable. So cool. Yeah. But printed, so, uh, oh, it says right here, printed in Germany. Yep. A Charisma recording. Right. It's, it's just fantastic. hard to verify which year which exactly. Year, yeah. Because I was trying to to figure it out based on the runouts, but. Um, you know, the only place you can find information, and if anyone knows m better than I do, uh, the only place I know how to verify uh, matrix runout numbers is through Discogs. And um, Take a picture and they're pretty... I feel like they do a pretty good job, but the problem with Discogs is that it's like Wikipedia, is that it's... Uh, it's anybody can get yeah, down in there. Anybody can, can provide information for any record, and so therefore it, ne it isn't necessarily completely accurate, but I feel like they're they're they do a pretty good job, they really do. I mean, they're, that's the nerdest they're of the nerds that are like <laughs> submitting information. I never submit any information, and I'm getting my hands on stuff that isn't even listed on Discogs. Wow. So I don't. But so I mean, that's the problem is that I don't know how to. I don't. I don't want to put out any false information. Right. Um, so that's gonna happen. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because it's so it's so hard, especially for all these classic records. I mean, like there's so many different pressings of these, and they you know pressed within different years i mean yeah you know it was released in 71 but it's just like which record do you have like like right now i have a goddamn copy i have a sealed copy of Jimi hendrix electric ladyland yeah wow but the wow. artwork <laughs> on the cover is identical from 1968 when it came out until 79 sure. there is no significant variation to the cover to the artwork so with it being sealed, I can't open it. I can't no find idea. out what's inside to, to verify what year it came from. But all I can all I can verify 
based on the, the cover art is that it can be no no later, no earlier than 79. It's no earlier than 79. The pressing that I have... Did you say it's 79's when they changed? It is the where there's a significant difference okay. in the artwork. There's well, at least something that would be able to be distinguishable. All right. So if it can't be before 79 and after 79 they changed it, that narrows it down quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's still 12, like the 12 years of pressings. It originally came out in 68. But didn't you just say that yours is from? It has to be at least from 79. I don't know if it's a first pressing. I don't know if it's from before that. Oh, I got you. When you say at least from, you mean it, it okay. I misunderstood what you're no, saying. No, I'm probably okay. saying yeah, it wrong. You're right. I you keep got on you. confusing myself. Yeah. I got you. You have 12 years to deal with. That ma- yeah. that makes sense. Right. right. 12 years of pressing of, of that record. Okay. I thought you were saying you narrowed it down to that it could only have come out after 1978 is what I no, thought No, it could only have come out before, before 79. Yeah. Oh, sure. That, yeah, that's a big, it, big it's, it's 79 time. or before, but I can't tell, and so therefore I don't know how to market it. Because yeah, if you have it one of those mystery boxes. It's I mean... Okay. But still, it's what just you like think? you know. What do you what do you tell? Because you want to you want to be able to tell somebody what what they're getting. That's the whole purpose of this show. Is like I'm te- I'm showing you and okay, letting sure. you yep. hear exactly what you're getting. So oh, that's I don't know what to do with that. I think you got to put it out as it is and let people care. On it. Yeah, yeah, let them bid on it. You know, it's yeah, but that's then a if, risk. if people but are the fact like you don't want to open it. I mean, that's I don't that's the only thing it. you know. You don't want to open it. So someone's gonna either score or lose some money on it. But they're going to get to open it, and that's probably money well spent if they care about that stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's brand new. I wouldn't do it. I mean, I, I have no more uh, sentimental uh, attachments to music anymore. That's <laughs> that sounds very sad, James. No, I, I, I love it. I mean, I get to, you I mean get to, to experience to the media. all of it. I get to experience yeah. all of it. Gotcha. And think about it. From what I from from my last conversation I had in here with the uh, the guys from Hellbent, who are very big record collectors, mm. they have huge collections, you know, thousands of records each. Oh, okay. Um, and they you know and they spend their time and their money to go out and find the records that they want. I don't know. I I. What they said that kind of struck stuck with me, and we didn't talk about it, but I remember hearing them say it. And I was just like. How, oh, yeah, I listen to it once, and then I file it away. Or, oh, I, I leave it out so I can listen to it a couple times before I file it away. Right. I have nothing against these guys. I don't think that that's a bad thing to do. I completely understand it. But it's just like, okay, wait, you're listening to it maybe twice, and then you file it away. Mm-hmm. Like it goes into the library. Right. To not come out again for who knows how long. Because it's in, in the whole time, you're still buying other records. You're right. still collecting. That's what collecting is, isn't it? No, I know. I know. But I mean, as far as enjoying this music. Yeah. Well, I, am doing, I feel like I've got the best deal because I get to find all of these, listen to them, yeah. verify where they are, what they're from, you know, when they're from, and then listen to the sound quality and, and listen to the material. Right. And but, so instead of me filing it away it. on my <laughs> shelf at home, I get to send it to somebody else so that they can appreciate it and love it. Okay, sure. I see what you're saying. And I might see one of these again. This is actually the second copy of Nursery Crime that I have. 
The other one I had was actually a 78 Promo US. Wow. It wasn't a great copy. Is, is, is there any difference in sound quality when you get into stuff like that? I don't think no, so. It's just the old I mean, some of them of... may. Some of them may. I don't think I've... And plus, I didn't have them side by side. Of, yeah, of so I would yeah. only have to rely on my memory, which is horrible. So, Just how I do this show, by the way. I have no notes. <laughs> oh, it's the only way to go. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, some people, you know, really go into these things and do all the... Oh, I do the research, sure. yeah, but I don't, yeah. I don't make... I don't take notes. Oh, this is so gorgeous. Yeah, this is I a great copy, isn't it? Jealous. Um, I have... Uh, gosh, I forgot all the early albums, um, but I lent them to somebody, and I've never seen them again. Oh, God. That's Isn't the that worst. the way? Yeah, well... They probably still exist, but uh, I probably won't, still won't ever see them again. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're just lost. Yeah. It's not worth the trouble of hunting this person down and saying, hey, by the way, those Genesis records I lent you? Yeah, it's... You know, because like you said, I can just I'll pull them up on my Amazon on my phone and plug it listen into my car and listen to it. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's what I do. I've been listening to a lot of Genesis lately, and uh, I can I can just punch up anything. It's crazy. Pull it up. Crazy. I hear you, man. Well, let's try to hear this. The musical box track um, one. I'm gonna try to get a level on this, uh, right. if you don't mind. So just FYI, for anyone listening, there is a hum. It's on the table, okay? But the sound quality is there. We can hear the song, and I think it sounds great. lived in a cottage and worked out all these early tunes very meticulously. A lot of stuff that ended up on the first three albums. I, I mean, think about it. So what, the first record was Trespass? Trespass. That came out, what, 70? Sounds right, yeah. I think it was 70. Yeah, it was influenced by King Crimson, which was 69. Okay, 71. Nursery Crime is the second record. Yep. Uh, Foxtrot, the third record. 80, 72. Yep. Southern so, England by the pound, 70, 
74 maybe, but um, right, Lamb but Lies Down was 75. <clears throat> and all those records are amazing. Yeah. But you want to like think about the, th- the amount of time and thought you put into writing a song like this and then only space it by a year between between touring, going into the studio, like rehearsing the songs, yep. going into the studio, putting it down, the mixing, the mastering of it, the, the publishing of it, going back out on tour, or, or continuing gigging and touring the whole time. It's a hell of a... Only to start writing a new record. Works oh, basically immediately afterwards. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, they famously all, all wrote a lot on tour. Yeah. They did a lot of improvisations for sound checks. They, they were into it. I mean, a, as any band on the road obviously must they do must to a degree, but just with the, uh, the momentum that some of these bands back in the, the 60s and 70s had to just crank them out. That's yeah. that's what mench- got mentioned in the last episode, too. So Brian Mastrobano is... is Black, Black Sabbath, six months apart. Oh my God! Right? Yeah. Six fucking months. I mean, I had the Black Box CD box set from a few years back. First eight records with Ozzy on them. Yep. It has the years on it. I think it was what seventy-one to like seventy-six, something like that. Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Never say die was seventy-seven. Yeah. So within a span of six years, they released eight, eight records. records. It's fucking crazy. With Zeppelin and good one and records. two, it was like all in one year or something. If I oh. We have Steve Hackett on guitar. Yeah, one of the first examples uh, I've ever heard of of uh, tapping. Oh yeah, is on this song. Yeah, that gets mentioned a lot when you do the research about this record. Is the, is the There's a lot of sweet picking, which is very common now. There we go, tapping. They do that octave. Pedal. Pedal. Yeah, hard pan left and right. Yeah, there's a lot of production tricks. There's a lot of just good performance. A lot of just good instruments and like weird. The choice and stuff. of tones is, I think, very interesting. It's often hard to hear what instrument you're hearing to, yeah. to identify. I love that. Like in a second, it's going to kick back in and. For a long time, I thought it was another guitar solo, but it's actually an electric piano through a uh, distortion pedal. Mellotron? Nope, electric piano. Okay. It was a because I know that they use the Mellotron. Pianet, if I recall. Oh. It might have been it might have been a Rhodes on the record, but live it was a Honer Pianet. It's cool. And, uh, great. You can hear the guitar come in. That's what gives it away. Hmm. Every second is meticulously orchestrated. Yeah. You know this record really well. Oh, yeah. Right here. Keys. Easy with the table, buddy. Easy. Sorry. Actually, that might be based on the record. Live, they do. So you can hear the guitar in the background. 
else happening here? I don't know. Oh, he was doing... He had um, a lot of weird tunings, right? So it kind of has the sound of like open strings, like open tuning? Uh, yes and no. Uh, this, this song is all in standard tuning except for the 12-string guitar. That, that's tuned to an F, like an F sharp chord, so it has uh, the open F sharps, if I recall. But everything else, is, this is standard. Steve Hackett always played standard in this band. Really? Yep. I think uh, Mike Rutherford did some alternate tunings. On, oh, maybe on acoustic he did some alternates. Okay. I know he's played a less small standard tune. Sounds like two guitars. Yeah, this song is epic. Right? How long is this? Like about ten minutes. About ten minutes. And at this point, Peter Gable comes out, all acting decrepit with an old man mask. You just see his his mouth moving through this. It's quite horrific and wonderful. Yeah. So they were a very theatrical band. Yeah. And he especially was... Well, he was the theatrical one. The, the rest of them sat down and played very stoically up until he left. He put on the performance yep. for... And they did. Call. They literally all just sat down. Nobody else stood up in the band. Uh, Mike Rutherford occasionally would with the double man. But it wasn't until Phil came forward that they, were, they tried to be more rock and roll, I guess. Mine. Yeah. And the, the Trick of the Tail tour, they all stood up. It was a big deal. Oh. It was like the, the Bob Dylan and electric guitar yeah. <laughs> of Brock Rock. It's like the guy so, stood up. Man. So now the song turns into something else. This is craziness. I love it. All of a sudden. Drums. Hmm. great how songs can do that. This is a great sound. I can hear the, every every nuance of the, the kick drum. Yeah, so much better than an MP3. Yeah, well, I mean, getting it through the headphones. I mean, there's seldom a time I ever do that. This show is when I do it. But I know the records well enough that this like this is sounds this sounds good on my speakers in the room. Plus, hearing it in a room is kind of cool too, because if you have the ability to crank it and then just kind of feel oh. the vibrations in the room, like if you're sitting close to your speaker, it's like I believe the air moving is a part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Going right in, right through your, your head is cool. Yeah. It's nice to kind of... Not painfully. <laughs> no, no. I mean, to hear it kind of like the way maybe they did, like as they were recording, it's kind of interesting. Yep. I agree. But uh, listening to it in a room is, uh, is definitely another experience. Big ending. them sitting in a room like arguing for 20 minutes about how many da 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 da's they're gonna do you know what i mean yeah totally geeking it out okay so we have uh, for absent friends phil collins first lead vocal wow second track on the 
It's the first record that he yep. debuts on. He was a child actor. Yeah, he, I heard he about showed that. up. They were like psyched. This guy who's so like personable, yeah, and able to sing his ass off. Hmm. And he's my favorite drummer. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. I think he's he's a melodic drummer. Hmm. I've uh, I've been trying to do a little research. I came across an interview with him, more recent. Like so, he's you know good enough. To, actually, he's not considering. He's in like sixties. Yeah, he's not. He's not that old considering some rock legends. Yeah. And he's fucked up. And Dick Dale, by the way, hey, moment for Dick Dale died today. You didn't know that. Today? Yeah. Oh, Eighty-two years old. Well, not full silence, but a moment of silence. Yeah. Okay. To you, this one goes out to you, Dick Dale. Absent friends. I guess that's very fitting. Um, that, that sucks, man. I see. I haven't been on social media all day. I've had a very full day today, and um, and I, I like that. But that's usually where I hear about it. Oh yeah. I'll usually put on the social media. That's, that's the first works. first yeah. thing I see is a dead fucking person. It's like no. <laughs> yeah, Lou Reed. First, when he died, Bowie. Open up Bowie. That was the worst to find Bowie on Facebook. It all sucks. Like every time I open up a social media and I see a photo of a guy, I'm just like, no, not a him. Okay, so here we have some uh, more finger tapping in unison with the uh, organ. No, sorry, electric piano. Oh, that's how they get that sound, huh? Turn of the giant hogweed. Mm. Drums. Hi hat work. It's stellar. Yeah, I, I guess Phil Collins is probably along those lines of like great drum, great unacknowledged drummers, kind of like Ringo Starr. You know, yeah. like you have to be a true appreciator uh, and and like listen to them deeply in order to start to understand and appreciate the significance of their style. Pretty much. I mean, some of this early stuff is pretty technically, whoa. Uh, but yeah, uh, so much of that 80s stuff is so straightforward, you wouldn't consider yeah. him. But then even still, some of the you know later Genesis records is just so, like synthetic, that yeah. it's just like you don't even consider. It's just like, well, he's not playing that. It's like a drum machine. Like exactly. Yeah. Even though he programmed it, it's still... Yeah. Yeah. But it's not There's the same this. as like... Oh. And then I, that, so this Ghost interview I heard something. with him, he was just like, the interview I heard with him, he, he and other peers of his that were uh, basically asking questions to him um, through this broadcast mention a lot how he was such a hard hitter. Oh, really? Yeah. He himself said uh, he was approached with a question um, you know, if, like, what like what extent did you go through to, like, tune your drums? Which, for a drummer, I mean, that's I think that can be pretty significant. Yeah. And he's just like, I, I would just hit him harder to make him sound the way I wanted him to sound. <laughs> Surprises the hell out of me, especially listening to this delicate ghost roll work on the yeah. snares on this tune. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't require banging away. I mean, it, yeah, it requires a certain amount of finesse. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was like maybe, maybe he progressed into that you know, throughout the years. Oh, maybe. Because with this being 
Genesis, it seems to have strayed away from prog style music. You know, as oh, yeah. like Peter Gabriel left, absolutely, yeah. they came at three piece, yep. much less prog. Yeah, more pop. That's yeah, what they pop. were going for. They wanted to make a living and write a hit single. Right. God bless yeah. them. I'd like to write a hit single too. <laughs> hey, no, I don't. I don't. I don't dog anybody for right. wanting to be successful. Yeah. Whatever their art is and whatever that that takes. Especially after losing two fifths, you know, of their band at that point. Right. To choose to go on and to do as well as they did it is admirable. But yeah, I, I can't dig it. Of that music, no. I still love "Home by the Sea." That's off that um, was it the Mama album, which I think is a pretty good album. Yeah. It has uh, there are moments that remind me of this early stuff, like "Land of Confusion," for instance. I like the bass riff in "Land of Confusion" is basically a, a "Lamb Lies Down" on Broadway riff. Yeah, you know, but they. Ch- the cheesy freaking chorus guitars make it sound not quite as hard hitting to me. Yeah, it was a good pop song. I remember it, that's a great song. I remember I that song specifically so. from when I was like young, from the eighties, yep. and really loving the video too. Yep, all oh, the video was great. great. I always liked uh, Mama. I always thought that was a great little weird yeah. song. You know, uh, that's all. I don't know if I know the whole record. Uh, they, they had like three hit singles off that. The song Mama itself, which okay. is very slow and scary. And then uh, that's all what you hear a lot. That little piano. Oh, okay. Got yeah. Wait, was that off the the self-titled Genesis record? I'm like sorry, the, that's what. It, yeah, it wasn't the Mama album. It was called Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I had a copy of that. That's the Mama. And I remember hearing that. That, that was by the, the only single off that record. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. no, Mama was a single off that record too, wasn't it? I don't re- I don't recognize yeah. it because I, I I specifically remember putting on that record. Take thinking, me home. Like, wasn't that bad? Not, not a big hit if it was a single. It may have been a single, but not like a big one. Pretty much anything that was a video, I'd consider a single. And they had videos for all of those. Really? Yeah, not Home by the Sea, but um, That's All, Mama, uh, Illegal Alien had a single. And uh, Take take Me Home. No, Take Me Home is not Genesis. That's Phil Collins. There we go. That's the issue. Phil Collins had a whole okay. solo career at the same time. Yeah. We're talking about, right. That's terrible. I shouldn't confuse the two. Great mm. Very busy. Yeah, this is. Well, this guitar solo coming up is fantastic. I still don't know what the hell this guy's doing on this. Um, and you'll hear it. It, it, it. Something with the pedal, or I don't know. He makes some weird noises that. I'm sad to say I can't decipher, and I can decipher a lot of guitar noises. Yeah. I've been doing it a long time. I can tell. This one, I need to look it up. (laughs) This one. This I get. Yeah. That sounds pretty straightforward. Now doubling. And he mutes it. Super muted. Probably doubled, too, like two, two tracks simultaneously. The bass is doing something similar. Basically. Yeah. Right. And here, whatever, not right the second, what's coming up here? He's doing some kind of slide thing.
That sounds like up. he's like sliding and bending, like all over the place. It's like he's tripped out on yeah. acid. It's just he does a slide, right? A slide with some kind of bend with something open. I don't, I can't figure it out. It, but it's technical. It's not and like it goes back and slides up high, like up lower on the neck too. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this, this is like a like tape messing with. Like he just like slows the tape. Well, on the yeah, yeah, on the vocal. Yep. Yeah. So that could have had something to do with it too, if they were messing with the tape. Well, that's a good point. It's such a clean slide and Yeah, this uh some of the moments on this record are so heavy. Right. It's not what I it's not what I expected coming from an 80s knowledge of like yeah. 80s Genesis to come back to this stuff and just feel like they were doing what? Yeah, really heavy stuff. Great riffs. Really heavy, really orchestral. It's like a different type of wall of sound. It's like yeah. massive, booming. It's like very loud. And they did this live. It sounds identical live on any of the recordings. There's the Genesis Live album. I've seen some footage, and then there's this tribute band from Canada I go see, and oh, yeah. sound like the record. Don't they have like the legitimate like props from? The yep. Band? They have the legitimate vintage gear to craziness. Wow. Well, I say legitimate. Their Mellotron is the new digital Mellotron. They don't have that old tape machine. Yeah. They used to. They own one, but it's not so much. They use the digital one. Yeah. And I that can. is side one of Nursery Crime. Yeah, man. You should get into broadcasting. Epic. God. <laughs> it's just one of those records, man, that just like, it wears me down. Because I'm just like, oh, I got to kind of. So much. It's so sit and dense. think about this for a minute. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Before I take on the next side. <laughs> oh, have you gotten into, have you heard Selling England by the Pound or Lamb Lies Down? I have had both of them. But the, I, I've yep. only listened to them like once each. Sent um, them off. Yeah, yeah. Now they're off in better homes. The Lamb is my favorite Genesis album, um, and it's a double album, it's and double I feel album. like it, it has three great sides, and the fourth side is like, oh, they ran out of stuff, and they're just playing some bits. And that said, the fourth side still has a couple of great moments, yeah. but uh, it it's always kind of made me sad how it peters out, whereas really? the first two sides are possibly my favorite music. Possibly. It's great. Just it, throw it's, that second record away. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> you know, it's hard to com- you know to compete with say the Beatles and the Who and whatnot. All right. Well, you know, this, or are we taking a second? We're good to go. Give me a. Well, you know, what? are you gonna want a refresher? I'm still working. Okay, on this. All right, all right. I don't want to hurt Let's myself. Give, a, give a little brush here. So, um, just uh, just something I'd like to mention with the with the foreign pressings because if you're not familiar with foreign pressings. Almost always, they are this flimsy jacket. It's a really lightweight cardstock. It's light, yeah. yeah. But uh, it looks so good. I didn't. It, really it looks great. It's a high gloss and it's very clean. It's but gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you can tell how it's like a little pressed. Like it got it. Like it was on. It was on a shelf that was maybe too compact. Oh, okay. Just sure, look at the yeah. spine. Like, like you can see how. Oh yeah, yeah. You can see it. Yep. Um, that's my that's my one gripe with the foreign pressings. You know, I mean, like, it's it's unique. It's you know one of a kind. You know, it's a rare, it's a rarity, whatever. But uh, they're all of them. I've had a, a bunch of. They're all flimsy. 
Yeah, I mean, I had like a bunch of like I I remember I got this one big lot of like records from a from a yard sale actually of like this guy that was getting rid of all these records, <clears throat> all these like really cool records. A lot of the Genesis came from that that I had, um, and a lot of Talking Heads, a lot of just a lot of weird random shit. But it was all German pressings, and yeah, they were all like really flimsy, you know. And it's just like I've I've since had other ones. And uh, yeah, I don't know why they they do that. I don't know why they like that, but they are. So more likely than not, if you are out digging, if you're out finding stuff like at a yard sale or thrift store or whatever, if you see a light cardstock, pay some attention to it. Take a look, like you know, open it up. Because and try the to foreign pressings are worth more. I mean, typically they are. I mean, it depends. But um, I just think that's a d- dead giveaway for a rare foreign pressing okay sure so not always I mean some US pressings or some like cheaper releases or whatever but uh yeah it seems to be very common from what I've from what I've experienced so what is this song? this is Seven Stones um if you get into it, you can kind of tell, like, who wrote which lyrics, sort of. I mean, you can tell which ones Peter Gabriel wrote. And, like, this one, you can tell this is not him. His stuff is much trippier in yeah. general. I, my guess is this is Tony Banks or Rutherford, who were more poetic. But they all wrote. They all wrote music and words and yeah. melodies. And then but they collaborated. Uh, all these early songs are listed as being co-written by all of them equally. This change here is gorgeous. So that that's pretty weird to, to, to mention that. I mean, I see here how it says all titles composed and arranged and performed by Genesis, but with it being known that Phil Collins and uh, Steve, what's his name? Steve. Hackett. Steve Hackett, yep. This, this was his first record as well with the band. That's correct, yeah. Phil Collins and Steve Hackett yeah, both joined right. this record. And then I don't know their story. I don't know, like, the history of... Genesis very well, but obviously there was a falling out and the band fell apart and it dwindled down to three members that went on to create everything that everyone knows from the 80s. Yep, pretty much, yeah. How did they do that? Who was the, who were the original members? So the original members were, they were two duos, okay? Tony Banks and Peter Gabriel were friends in school and Mike Rutherford and a guy named Anthony Phillips were friends. They both played guitar. Uh-huh. And uh, they joined up because uh, they needed someone. Peter Gabriel played drums at this point, uh, so they and he could sing. They needed someone to sing on a demo of some songs they they wrote. Rutherford and Phillips wanted to be songwriters. Okay. Tony Banks wanted to be a songwriter musician, as did Peter Gabriel. So they joined up to have Peter Gabriel sing, and the deal was, well, you got to do one of our songs too. And they became a group with just the four of them. And they went through um, a bunch of different drummers. Finally recorded, uh, was from Genesis to Revelation. And that was that lineup. Tony Banks, Peter Gabriel, Mike Rutherford, Anthony Phillips, and I want to say John Silver was the drummer there. So then uh, they got rid of John Silver, they picked up a new guy, John Mayhew, and that's the Trespass band. At that point, Anthony Phillips, who apparently was their main songwriter at the time, uh, developed some kind of stage fright and wanted to quit and they were going to break up over it because they thought that he was the most important part of the band the driving force but they decided no we'll find uh, 
a new guitar player. And then they went, well, let's find a new drummer too. So they took a big kind of leap there. They yeah. fired, well, they fired the drummer. And they were three people, Gabriel, Banks, and Rutherford. Uh, Phil Collins, Steve Hackett came through those auditions and they yeah. recorded Nursery Crime. And that was the same band for Nursery Crime, Foxtrot, Selling In By The Pound, and uh, Land Lies Down On Broadway. At that point, Peter Gabriel, who had had children before the rest of them, felt pressure, felt like he didn't want to be in the band. A lot of different reasons from what I've read. But uh, basically, just growing up is what it seemed to be. He wanted to spend time with his family. And so he left. And he it said he was going to leave while they were touring. And he was going to step out of the next album. They were already working on music for Trick of the Tail at this point. So they auditioned singers. They didn't like anybody. They said, let's just have Phil sing, and we'll get a drummer for live shows. Bill Bruford from Yes, not so bad, and King Crimson, and uh, not so bad, right? Yeah. So he play, he was their live drummer while Phil Collins sang, and the Trick of the Tail album was great, fantastic. Uh, then they had one more album, Wind and Wuthering, also pretty good, and at that point Steve Hackett got sick of it for whatever reason. I, from what I've read, he just got pissed that he didn't get enough material out. On, at that point, at Trick of the Tail, they broke up the songwriting credits for the first time. And that's where you'll see it's all Tony Banks, Tony Banks, Tony Banks, Tony Banks, huh. and a couple of Mike Rutherford, Phil Collins. Steve Hackett has one song on that record, and then he has nothing on Wind and Wuthering, if I recall. He has an acoustic piece at the beginning of one song, and he got tired of it and quit. Hmm. And they said, well, screw that. Kind of Rutherford can play all these instruments, and that next album was called And Then There Was... And then three. there were three. Right. And they had their first hit single with Follow You, Follow Me. Huh. And that record is not a very liked record. No, I don't think it's any good outside of that I one song. One. I had yeah. a copy. Didn't, it, would, it took forever to move. Yeah. Nobody cares. I don't, I don't like Abacab. I don't like the, like I said, I don't like the tones yeah. that they were using at that point. Harold the Barrel. It's the one lighthearted... Uh, I mean, not, lyrically speaking, yeah. no, it's not lighthearted, but but it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's more comical. Yeah, I'm gonna guess Gabriel wrote the lyrics to this one. I don't know, but uh, I heard about this like through my research, and it was just like, really? They wrote a song about a paraplegic who's trying to jump off a building. Is he a paraplegic? He's like a armless, legless person that's trying to commit suicide by jumping out. Oh building. shit. Carol and I never, I never got the, uh, the the harmless legless part. I just got that. Yeah, that's a big joke about a guy about to jump off a building. Right, but that's why I thought it was so funny. It was like, what? <laughs> that's really? terrible. <laughs> I know. And then Harold the Barrel. Yeah, right. No, like, <laughs> oh my god. I don't even like the song. And then it gets all introspective. Yeah. It, that's hey. That's what makes it prog, right? Yeah. It just has yep. just sudden breaks of just Left like, turn. hey, no, we're gonna do this right now. It's like, hey, you know what? He's got an idea. And it's like. <laughs> Here it is. That's what I don't understand when I heard that. It was just like, take a running jump. <laughs> How does he get oh, legs? Where, where does it say he doesn't have legs? I don't think it says it anywhere, but that's I think like somebody made the research that, up. that I had seen. It had yeah. multiple times. Get the wow! So, all right. Yeah. 
I've never been a lyric person. I really have never been a lyric person. I, I never it's focus on them. It's generally secondary for me, yeah. I, I, I agree. seldom read the lyrics unless I hear something and I'm just like, what did he say? You know? And then, I, and then if it pulls me in from there, I'll, I'll dive further. If I really want to sing the song, I might look yeah. at the lyrics. I love big lyrics that make me go, just like you said. Like, what? Yeah. I, I enjoy yeah. that. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the uh, mistaken lyrics yeah. guy. You know, it's just like, well, I, I can't Sometimes think of any good examples better. of like the, the the mistakes. Oh, actually, one good one that I heard was um, guy was a, a story about this guy who was a uh, like like uh, record. Uh, he worked for late like a label distribution or something, so he would go visit record stores all the time. And he said the funniest story I ever heard of a guy mistaking a song was this young man came into a store and said uh hey do you have that that record with the song uh i'm an asshole man <laughs> and and the guy's just like i'm an asshole man what yeah he's just like that that song i'm an asshole man he's just like i, I have no idea i'm what a you're soul man i'm a soul oh, man <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is that that Dennis Leary song? I'm an asshole. No, no, because this was pri- prior right. to that. But I was That's just great. like, I imagine that. Like, like, oh, I love that song. I'm an asshole, man. Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah, this, this excuse me. Yeah, that's another. That's a classic one. But that was the first time I ever heard that one. I'm, a, I'm an asshole, man. <laughs> I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole, man. That doesn't even make sense. That's terrible. <laughs> Maybe he was into anal sex. You know? I'm an asshole, man. But there were so many different variations of that song too. It's like, how do you confuse that, really? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I guess unless it first came out. I think, yeah. Uh, at this point in in the Genesis canon too, with this lineup, um, you had a lot of moments where they would do triple acoustic guitars, hmm. where they have two twelve strings and a six string. That's what this, this is what you'd get, and they'd each be playing something different. Trying to hear it. Trying to hear the the, the the separate parts. It's hard. Yeah, it's that weird. was the closest you could hear because that had that lead line <coughs> dropped out for a second. Yeah, uh, it happens in a lot of their songs. In the mu- the beginning of the musical box, mm-hmm. they did this. And "Supper's Ready" is a big section like that. Another thing. If you're, if you're really into the, the nerdism of a Genesis fan, you'll notice that a lot of their songs, and if you, you read the history, you know this is true, come out of jams fr- between specifically Phil Collins, um, Tony Banks, and Mike Rutherford. Uh-huh. So Mike Rutherford's the bass player, but he also would play 12-string guitar and bass pedals. And uh, on every album, you'll find a section that is basically an, uh, an odd time 12 string bass pedal Ooh, like with um, that. loop easy with that Shit. foot buddy yeah, right. <laughs> loop while the keyboard player like just rip, just solos over it yeah and it's in a bunch of their songs like supper's ready is a whole set that's one of their sections there's a uh, i want to say it's called uh in the ravine in lamb lies down on broadway and that's all it is it's just the three of them going while tony banks for days you start to pick it up as you listen to every album. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that's the thing they do. Huh. They like that. Yeah. And uh, I think it adds uh, 
as opposed to a lot of the other prog bands, the Yes, your King Crimson, uh, I think it sort of adds a looser feel to these guys. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes them, to me, a little bit warmer than your standard progressive rock band. Hmm. Um, okay. Also, I think Peter Gabriel's kind of soulful, bluesy vocals are very different from all the other prog singers. Hmm. We're now yeah. in the Fountain of Salmacus. Is that how you pronounce that? That's how I pronounce it. Everyone's oh, no, he's, he pronounces it in the song. That's actually, yeah. Because that came up too on my research. I was just like, a couple of people, obviously big fans, yeah. that were talking about it. Mentioned how they didn't really know how that was pronounced either. They're like giving their best chance. But yeah, he says it in there. What I love coming up, there's uh, it's written in the lyrics. There's dual vocals with dual lyrics, and you can barely make them out left and right, I think. Yeah. Did you hear that? It's like this one vocal part on one side. Yeah. Drifts with the other. Barely. Like barely audible on like one side. They're about to do it again. Nyad Queen Salmacus, listen. That's where it is. Yep. Nyad Queen Salmacus. It's actually dialogue. It's Salmacus and the narrator. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. Oh, you already knew? I know. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's coming up and and it's the Nyad's talking to him. This is the story of Narcissus, right? Uh, Aphrodite? Right? Isn't there something to do with uh, Aphrodite? The. uh... Yeah, well, let me see. Go ahead. Take a look. If I'm thinking of the right one. Oh, no, Hermaphroditus, right. Hermaphrodite, yeah. Hermaphrodite, yeah. Not, yeah, Narcissus is uh, mentioned in a different Genesis song. Okay, yeah. They have their moments of that, right? That's, that's Prague. Yeah. Another example, kind of simple drumming, but really masterful control on the cymbals. Mm-hmm. Bass is wonderfully busy and melodic as well. It's got a very, uh, very grabbing hook to it because it kind of like propels the song. Everything yeah. else sounds ethereal, you know. Right. Sounds and like, but you got yeah. that kind of like grooving the whole thing. Here comes the drama. Band? There's a guy who does that. What, on video, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, and he does Genesis songs, and he just got the job playing drums with that tribute band I was talking about. Oh, wow. Yeah, their drummer, for some reason, can't make this tour. It was the last minute, and they grabbed this guy off the internet and plays Genesis songs by himself. Wow. That's great. 
That's where it pays off, buddy. Dreamcake, <laughs> that guy. So this is one of those like records where, I mean, and, and that, I think this goes for like a lot of prog for people that don't like prog necessarily. You really kind of have to dedicate yourself to it, like to listen to it, and not necessarily not necessarily even to break it apart and understand it, but just kind of allow it to to take you where they want you to go. You know, because well said. Yeah. I'm not a massive prog fan. I mean, like I love it. I mean, there's definitely some records I definitely love, and there's moments where I fall in and out of it. So it's really hard. Like, like you're really helping me out, kind of like assessing this record because I've listened to it a couple of times already, a few times now. Um, I've heard people talk about it. I've heard all of this like you know information about it. I've read about it, and only listening to it now with someone kind of like helping me guide myself through it can I really start to like maybe comprehend it a little bit more you know because like there's so much going on that you really need to sit down it's and like stuff. and not like you know background noise background noise you pick up that little part that little part this little part because some parts definitely stick out and that's probably uh, in intentional yeah uh, but when you're listening to the whole thing throughout, it almost has a different feel. Like when you take it from beginning to end, you know, you take it from the top to the bottom and you go through the whole process. I agree. Yeah. That's where, that's where now I'm just like, like starting to like, okay, wait, I gotta, I gotta reconsider this one. You know, but it's hard. It's hard for people to, to put in the time with a record these days, you know? That's why we all do it when we're kids. It's it's yeah. so hard. I, I was talking about Black Sabbath with you earlier. Right. I made that dedication to try to listen to uh, the Black Sabbath albums I haven't heard because I happened to have some free time this week where I was traveling and I had like a good 30-minute drive right. twice a day. Yeah. So I got through a bunch of albums. Yeah, you get through a record at a time. You know, and... Uh, I miss it though. I miss sitting and like looking at these pictures. Yeah. And waiting for the lyrics to come and go, how is he gonna sing these words? This is crazy. Yeah. Rush is another great man for that. Really. To look at just look at the lyrics and like wonder what this is gonna sound like. And uh, that's a fun thing to do. You're right, it's hard to, to do as an adult. Yeah. This that's is this has been great. We're coming up on the end of this and I haven't listened to this all the way through in God knows how many years. Yeah. But then even still, to like really say that you dedicated some attention to it, I would I would believe you that you know it's been years. I mean, because you could say, oh, I put that on the other day. Oh, yeah. But I mean, which did you did you really listen to? Yeah, it? right. Not like we just. Oh. They bring back the orchestral swell. I love that. Yeah, you know, there's. Or how many ways can you end a song? Right. It can be bam. Or it can be bah. Or you can go Or And go into, you know, 
Detroit Rock City. Uh, but, but whatever. Love a gun. Whatever you're going to do. Yeah, I hear you, man. That, that's, that, that, that is very, very unique for sure. I love that. Uh, Chicago has that song, uh, Make Me Smile. And, oh, God, what a brilliant, brilliant piece. Now, on the original album, it's the beginning and, like, ending of a longer piece. But they you know, made it into a radio single. It's, you know, four minutes long. But the end has this drum solo still. It's lovely. And then it goes into this, uh, like, unison, unison thing with the band. da 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 kind of thing it's wonderfully dramatic it's great what are you doing with that thing i'm filming the detail of the record ah the jacket i was expecting you to lift your your hands off it it was just going to flew on its own i'm performing magic no, it's just uh, it's just what I do. It's part of it's part of the whole shtick, dude. Oh. You know, like. Uh, well, that makes sense. I didn't know if that was something you did later or you know. If you oh, actually, uh, this is actually uh, late for me. Uh, typically, I start doing this um, prior prior to playing the record. Oh, okay. Because uh, we really kind of just like really immersed our, immersed ourselves in that. And uh, I was kind of losing track, and I didn't even really want to go through the effort of like, oh, let me get my camera out, let me do the detail on this thing. Um, normally, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling a little weird today. I gotta admit. Like I said, I've had a I've had a full day. Uh, tomorrow's Patrick. my tomorrow's my birthday. Saint Patrick's Day today. I have not had a drink all day until now. Yeah, um, I gotta say that went down very easy. Yeah, I had to slow myself before. Dude, no, I got I, silly. <laughs> I'm I'm the worst. I could easily drink like three within the time that we've been here now. Oh, and, so yummy, and I would be paying for <laughs> it right now. But uh, but I've actually have been behaving. I've been behaving myself. I'm being a good boy today. Even though it's St. Patrick's Day, but they, that's because St. Patrick's Day is for amateurs, so fuck them. Fuck them all. Exactly if right. you're getting wasted right now and you can't control yourself and you're slurring your words and you're pissing your pants. I call that Tuesday. Yeah. You're just an amateur. You, you, this holiday was made for you, and uh, I have no desire for that anymore because you know what? I've been there, and I've done that, and I'm not doing it again. <laughs> and I'm done doing it. Yeah. Right now. I, I know better. I know better the uh, for holiday or not that hold on a second I'm gonna do this one too. Um, I know better than you know, holiday or not. You just <laughs> just don't fuck around with that. Okay? Uh, I try just to keep it even. Yeah, I try to drink the the same. You know. Yeah. Holiday or not, like you say. Yeah, I just now yeah. that's not great for the non-holiday days, but for holidays, I I'm pretty moderate drinker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Me too. I mean, like it. It. You know, if if I want to drink, I drink. I don't want to drink. I don't drink, and that's actually a very, very big change uh, for me from my my youth to my my uh, adulthood. Is that uh, before I would just drink every day of the week, all night. I would drink shit because <laughs> I was poor. I'm still poor, but uh, but the point was that I would just I would just do it. Well, in, in it's, it's, you know, we're always poor, but it's like, are you poor with 
some nice bourbon or you pour with some PBRs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different levels yeah. of pour. True. And and yeah. I can so I can appreciate my 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 poor my poorness now because at least I can I know what what's good and I know yeah what to uh, appreciate and what to just kind of like you know not think twice about really. <laughs> like this, like this record. Um uh, I really appreciate this record. I really appreciate everything about this i appreciate the quality of it i appreciate the condition of it and in, in its age right that's amazing because i haven't kept up this well right? <laughs> and this thing's older than me so yeah that's that's oh, just that's you know that's one of the the beauties of this job and and what it is that i'm doing <clears throat> is the to kind of come across things that are unique and pristine yeah because it's so hard to find like a good, good like original record from you know somewhere within the year or close to the year that it was originally released. You know, in this case, seventy three. Kind of <laughs> this thing is seven years older than I am. Yep. And it's it's amazing. It's just amazing, and it sounds great. Played great. I think the second side played uh, with a little bit of surface noise. Yes, I agree. I was going to say the the. Uh not eh, it came and went throughout the whole side yeah but it seemed to be significantly worse right at the beginning and then not so bad yeah uh it came back a couple times and on the last song i I didn't hear it at all right so that was something um but still oh which i assume was just is just like kind of cleaning i would assume if you, as could, well, if, you yeah. if you have a deep cleaner or something like that that would probably knock that out i'm assuming probably just a couple plays would also yeah you know definitely it's been sitting there but uh, I, I have been schooled by uh, by Brian from my last episode on uh, how I should not be treating my records, how I should <laughs> oh okay. how I should not be cleaning them. So therefore, I will not, or I will try not to use uh, an alcohol solution to help clean these things. I find it I I, I find it works really well. Yeah, and I find that it's not um, degrading the, so the what's condition. What's the complaint that it will degrade the vinyl? Yeah, he's saying that alcohol is it, it will will damage the grooves. Okay. Um, he, actually, he followed up that he followed that up with saying uh, more so the needle, which I can I can agree with. I can definitely see that, even even more so now. Now that okay. he, he's mentioned that to me, but um, I don't know. I, I I've I find it's like a very good cleaner. First of all, first and foremost, it I feel I feel like it's good cleaner because if you have an old record and it's not playing well. Or it's definitely obviously dirty. What do you do to it? You just use water. Okay, fine. Try water. Try water first. But um, I f- I was trying the technique, and I and I researched this on YouTube, and this is where I came, you know, found the idea, was to do a wet listen. So you actually use like a half and half solution, half water, half alcohol. Okay. And you just uh, you know, very uh liberally kind of get it on the surface of the record and of course try to not wet the label right you know you block the label just get the the grooves wet and um yeah just kind of and you play it while it's wet and then play it with the needle while it's wet oh and it sounds good kind of it does sound good yeah um but uh yeah i mean maybe it could it maybe it can does it like does, does it fix it though or do you have to play it wet to make it sound good every time so that's that's what I should probably test more because yeah. typically I will listen to a record once, typically, you know. And so if I'm listening to it as a wet listen, then that might be obstructing my my 
my right. judgment yeah. of the quality of the record because it could be sounding great wet. Yeah. Um, so I do kind of have to give it a second listen. And so I try to do that. Um, sometimes I'll just play it and not even listen to it just to know that it's playing straight through mm-hmm. and then go back to it and actually sit with it. Um, it's very time consuming. Yeah, of course it is. You know, yeah. just to, to do all of these processes, to try either or. To and you try have to listen to all of it. I have to listen to all of it. Yeah. 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 Someone gave me some really great praise, actually, recently. So I feel like it's worth it. Some guy sent me a message out of the blue. Like, I, I you know, instead of, like, leaving good feedback. Yeah. Um, he did leave me good feedback, but he sent me a message. Yeah. Just saying, like, you know, this is the, f- you know, I, I you posted... Uh, uh, <clears throat> you uh, what did he say? It was like a visual, like a uh, you you gave a, a, a an actual audio grading, as opposed to this like, you know, gold gold uh, mine standard, you know, very good, good, excellent, oh, or okay, mint yeah. standard. You actually, gave it a personal grading. Right, right, because people just yeah. visually see these things yeah. and they say like, oh, this looks mint. Uh, gotcha. I mean, you you look at this record and you'd say that's mint. Mint, absolutely, I would. I'd say it's very good plus <laughs> because I listened to the thing and I'm just uh, like, no, there's some surface noise there. Yeah. And that's what I would do. I, uh, so I, when I grade my records, I just, I don't, I try to avoid saying good, very good, good plus. Uh, and I just try to describe what I see and what I hear. Sure. And so he, he appreciated it a lot. And he was just like, I'm, he was like, I'm never again buying anything that's not sound like graded. And I was like, okay, great. Cool. That's fantastic. They just keep on coming back. I think you'd be happy with this one if you like the Genesis. <laughs> this is a great copy. Yeah, or if you want to get into them. It's, yeah, that's a good entry drug right there. Yeah. Um, I, I I love Trespass, but um, I think this, this is a, a level above. Some trivia, that, that opening song, The Musical Box, was written mostly prior to uh, the album, prior to Phil Collins and Steve Hackett joining. Okay, and that's why you have that instance where there's the keyboard solo instead of a guitar solo. Hmm. And uh, from what I understand, Phil Collins like beefed up the middle section where it gets where the solos are. You okay. know, he had some input on changing that. But for the most part, that song was done before they started, before those guys joined. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. little trivia. Cool. Well, if thank it's you. true. I don't know. I just read this stuff. Well, that's <laughs> best as any of us can do, really. It's all out yeah. there on the internet, you know. If you it feel like looking it up, is. look it up. That's fantastic. So quickly, let okay. me uh, let me ask you this before we wrap it up here. Yeah. How many projects do you have? Like, how many like uh, variations are might people need to look for if they wanted to find you? Okay. Because Dave Tess, you're the actor. Okay. Yeah. So you're in our town currently. I'm in our town with the Burbage Theater Company. Um, I, you know, I do Dave theater Tessier, the solo work. Like you have, re- you have releases released under your name. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Does Dave Tessier All Stars? Yeah, well, the All Star Band uh, is kind of like the live entity. Basically, you can find me just looking up David Tessier, Providence, Rhode Island. You know, I'll come up on the Google, and uh, you can find some stuff. But uh, it's funny that you ask that because to me, my initial reaction is like, I only have one project, man. That's just me. <laughs> my project is me. I do stuff. Right. right. Uh, but you're right. It, it has because it, it's different it easily, It is. I, I consider myself a performer. Um, I like to do theater. I like to read scripts and bring people. You know, bring these characters to life. That's just fun for me. But I, I, I've 
you know, what I believe I do is I make music and uh, I mm-hmm. have a great ensemble that I put together to do that. And because it, it's been successful, and I mean successful, we enjoy working with each other. Um, we've been allowed to now like make up our own stuff, you know, or stuff I've written, they'll play for me. And that, that's how we have the new record, um, which is mostly my stuff. But uh, there's a track, one of the smaller tracks is by our drummer, and he plays it all by himself. Um, with the space between, I think it's the second to last track. It's just a drum solo and a keyboard solo, and that's just him. That's Nate, our drummer. Uh-huh. That's his piece. There's a bass solo that's just Paul. Yeah. Um, so we we are a band. We work together, but uh, it is just kind of all uh, like you say. It's offshoots of my interest in performing. Um, my, from my website, you'll find you know what we're, we're, anything I'm doing. But like if. I think your your question to break it down. Yeah, I, I'm an actor. I uh, will play solo shows occasionally. I have a solo record that's out, but it's not solo. There's a drummer who plays on it. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's the uh, All Star Band, which is uh, I call it like a collective of artists. Mm-hmm. We do projects. We'll do um, restaurants and cover band stuff, or we'll do Jesus Christ Superstar or Monkeys Tribute. Mm-hmm. Any of those things, but that's the All Star Band, and uh, I think that's it. That's our fourth my my four things yeah you know? okay but and, but no different name under any of those no. it's, all, it's all dave Tessier. it's all just yeah the dave Tessier, either david Tessier or the david Tessier all-stars all right so if know. someone sees your name in something then this is this is what they can look forward to basically. they can look forward to something different every time yeah <laughs> I, yeah yeah I, I can't promise it's good but i well, can promise it's I, different right well that's why i was asking because it feel i feel like from the releases of yours that i know mm-hmm. it seems like they're almost slightly kind of different genres almost yeah kind of i mean like you know dreams in hyperspace seems to be like a very much a prog rock um project concept yep and then there was what taurus yep taurus is more like little love songs you know uh, you know more straightforward kind of like rock yeah songs for the most part yep it, a lot of the same instrumentation but yeah it was very stylistically different and i just i write what comes i don't i'm not very good at going oh i don't like this because it doesn't sound a different style you know stuff if it comes out of me it's because it's stuck in my head and i need to like right get it out you know which is you know, i don't want to make it sound uh super noble uh, there i'm not very prolific but when something sticks in my head i get it out and i don't really care what it is stylistically yeah. right it just kind of pops out and so i don't know if that's good but uh i like it it makes what you're talking about i, I admire that i mean i really like people that kind of push themselves outside of their comfort levels and or, or just are willing to experiment with different styles of music and 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 yeah, it's uh, just kind of what it is i, I kind of wish that like uh sometimes you know there's guys that are like i'm in a rockabilly band right and that's and all they do somehow that's all that comes out of them somehow or maybe it doesn't yeah. but that's they can they can churn out right something in one style i i like run out after three or four songs yeah i, I wrote um like a, a, a metal a heavy metal like song trilogy, four songs, and they're heavy. They're I like them, you know. Um, one of them is on Taurus, um, as a bonus track at the end. But that's all I had. I I couldn't like just do metal <laughs> forever. I, I I only had so many of those riffs. Right. Yeah. I loved it, but it, I only had right. so much, and then I ran out. And you know, the next thing that came to me was some of the Dreams in Hyperspace stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's not to say that you couldn't 
you know, it's not it's not in your wheelhouse. It's not like you couldn't do something metal in the future. Absolutely. But at the I moment, could, yeah. at the moment, it just isn't naturally have. happening. Tell you what, someone pays me money, I'll come up with a metal song right now for you. <laughs> you know, if a theater, and it's been my job in theater quite a bit, where it's yeah. like I need a song of this style here. Right. So I'm like, okay, you know, I can mimic yeah. a style pretty well. That's a, I mean, that's a really cool and admirable job because it's kind of one of those things like um like being an artist. It's just like, oh well, I'm not. I don't paint what I want to paint and people pay me for that painting I they ask me to do something that looks like this yeah like my brother is a great example of that because he oh, is he is an artist he's amazing yeah yeah, yeah but that's amazing. his job yep. is that he has to create art so I gotta, it, it's, it's art I gotta make it up <laughs> well I mean it's it's art and he has obviously a lot of control over it but um, but it, it's it's something for a company they right. need him to do this, which incorporates these aspects or yep. whatever. And they obviously want it to have a certain look to it because, you know, he can't just show up as a freak show <laughs> and, you know, and just expect them to say, OK, well, yeah, we'll go with this. Right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you need to you need to cater to to always. Yeah. To, to the to the owner or the boss or whoever it is or whoever it is I, that's paying you. That. I think it's great. I think yeah. I, I love commercial art. I always say it's a craft more than it's an art. Absolutely. You know, you're making I, I use the analogy of making the table. You yeah. know, it's going to need at least three legs if you're going to use it. It might right. be a table with two legs. <laughs> it might be your thing. Yeah. But if you're going to use it, it needs some things. And I feel the same about music or graphic art. You know, if, if it's going to be used commercially, it, it has a, a, a purpose. There's a use, it, you know, they want right. someone uh, to react to a sound. Yeah. Uh, I think the guys in South Park are, are amazing uh, music musical mimics mm-hmm. as far as like being able to copy a, a style right. of like an 80s anthem, for instance. They're so good at it. Right. And uh, it always sounds authentic. And I, I think that is as valid a skill as I don't know anything Paul McCartney is going to do on his own where he's just like, Oh, I'm just brilliant. Well, that's great too, man. <laughs> that's probably better. But, uh, you know, Paul McCartney could write you a jingle if, if you asked him to. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy for him. I'm sure. I'm sure that guy. Cause it's like, Oh, you just need 30 seconds. Okay. What I love about Paul McCartney is like all the songs I thought sucked as I've gotten older. I've just gone, no, they're just Paul McCartney songs. <laughs> they are as good as anything else. It's just different. You know, I would argue that simply having a wonderful Christmas time is as good as Hey Jude. It's different. It's from the same guy years later, so you can't compare them. Yeah. You know, uh, they're so different and so equally <laughs> genius. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's where I'm at with that. Cool. So, well, yeah. hey, I admire it too. <laughs> I appreciate you for coming. Carney. James, thanks for having me, bro. Thanks, Dave, man. This has been great. You let me know when we're doing Foxtrot. I can go get it right now. I'll talk your ear off. I'll be dead.